do not attempt to adjust your settings. We have commandeered this channel and are now streaming our pirate broadcast. This is the pirate stream. Welcome to episode 13 of the pirate stream, Dialectical Dissidents. Of course, it looks a little different today because it's just me. There was a bit, a little bit of a miscommunication today in regard to the location, the studio we were broadcasting from, and we were forced to postpone until May 5th due to timing and numerous different things that it's just going to be me today and Scott and Courtney aren't going to be here. So I'm just going to use the opportunity to go through a couple of things we were going to talk about, as well as uh, highlight a very important article I think is getting a lot of attention today from Robert Inlikesh. But the main point is to make sure you guys didn't, you know, you weren't nothing. There's no miscommunication, no confusion on your end. We were going to be broadcasting today. Uh, and this, it's just going to have to end up being on uh, May 5th for the three of us. So it, for, for, on that note, I'm just going to get into some important things that I, I you know, as you might have seen today, I did broadcast the, the daily wrap up. And I because I had the timing of this, I, I had to kind of tr- shorten that showdown. So I might as well go over some of the things I was uh, forced to push off, essentially. So today in general, I'm going to start with the uh, really important article that Robert just wrote about the Sudan. And it perfectly timed in fact it's he wrote this about three or four days ago two two or three days ago and i was only able to get it up yesterday and of course it's you know same day zero hedge and all these different groups start talking about it but i think missing very important points that robert very in his typical fashion just an outstanding way highlights some of the things that aren't being discussed of course rather omitted by the corporate media but i i want as we've been doing on the pirate stream and i I like this i want it i enjoy when it's a multiple you know three-way conversation but nonetheless i'll go over this because i still think it's interesting and i this won't likely be relevant by may 5th some of the twitter stuff that's been going on and kind of the so the psychological aspect of all of this the the two-party paradigm dynamic and how this is being played in the blue check mark and it's very fascinating to see how this is playing out and i you know wanted to get people's thoughts on this and what you guys think may be happening there I'm also going to talk about a little, a couple more points on the two-party illusion, but some really concerning things happening around government overreach. And I, I, I accompany that with the two-party illusion conversation because it's, it's, I think, one of the main reasons why we're unable to address, do something about the most obvious levels of overreach, like, like from a police level at a local, at an independent person's house, just random family and the police and the way they respond. And we can look at it and go, we know as a matter of fact, that was inappropriate. There was no warrant. There was no, and it doesn't matter because these people are, are, you know, they don't have a platform. They don't have reach. And my point though, is that in an, in an honest world, everybody, an American would stand up and go, well, that's inappropriate. Whether or not they look like a Republican or whether or not they did something we think is wrong on the left, whatever it is, or the right thinks the left is this or does that. The point is that the party lines are what stop us from being able to collectively go, you're a liar, government or police force or local police, or, you know, whatever. That, that the party line is what stops people from seeing that we're all being treated this way. And I'll show you what I mean when we get into it where people making the most absurd arguments about how this went down when it's so obviously unjust just because they have a political motivation to do so. That'd be my opinion. Now, we're also going to talk about briefly is this new Office of Environmental Justice from the Biden White House, which is just with all we know about the illusions and lies rolling around this topic, that's a very concerning step. And if if we, if, you know, depending on time and, and what the, how the show feels, possibly a talk 
I think I will make the point about the AI conversation regardless, but maybe some stuff on East Palestine. We'll see where we end up here. But let's start with this. I do think this is getting a lot of attention right now in The Last American Vagabond, and I hope that you will take the time to share this or read it at the very least because it's, it's in my opinion, exactly what is actually going on. Now, regardless of the obvious involvement of the U.S. government and what's going on in Sudan in very nefarious and surreptitious ways, that does not then by default mean that Russia could might not be doing something as well. The point that Robert makes, and this is very well done, that Russia is obviously involved, not with the conflict that we can prove, but with operations on the ground. But Robert makes the clear point that what's happening in very obvious fashion completely counters what Russia's oblig- ob- objectives are on the ground. So maybe there's something we're missing, but as always, if it ends up where it's just we're supposed to think this side is the evil one and we're and, you know, they probably do things like this. Therefore, they are doing that. That's just childish narrative when it's especially compared to lots and lots and lots of provable evidence that the other side is doing something right. That again, doesn't mean Russia is not doing something right. But just we have to go with what we can prove and realize that the evidence here is pretty undeniable. So I'm, I'm just going to go through this in general. So reading the actual opening sub title or rather opening i guess what do you call this actually when it's long and it's not a it's technically a subtitle i think but (laughs) the armed clashes in sudan that began last week are being presented by western corporate media as a shock from a country that was heading towards democracy oh and that's right one of the really important points that it seems nobody else is addressing tip you almost always because of political sides both of which are afraid to point out the obvious problems of Israel with the government, right? The people in general, the the majority of people that all see through the two-party paradigm, we all see what the Israeli government is and the lies that are spun around that to hide people from seeing the problem. But ultimately, that the normalization deal with the Sudan had nothing to do with them inching toward democracy. Now, there's a whole conversation to have about why the Sudan is in the situation it's in, including the groups on the ground and the actions being taken, specifically RSF being one of the groups we're talking about. It's so interesting to think of like the SDF in Syria and the RDF and how these things overlap and it's always the same kind of game. doesn't mean those groups are entirely fabricated, could, but almost always means they're being influenced, driven, controlled by outside parties. This is the proxy war world we live in. This is the current state of war, but it had nothing to do with democracy. It had to do with the fact that the Sudan, whether or not the claims about them were legitimate, that's important to understand. The argument was they were supporting terrorism and all the same things they say about the bad guys they want you to see as bad guys, right? The problem was they didn't say, hey, you're doing great. Everything's better and striving for democracy there. Now we'll try to make a deal. They said, if you make a deal with Israel, if you normalize with them and outwardly, politically make it sound like you guys are on the same page, well, we'll just pretend like you're good now. So what does that show you? Now, they don't say the word pretend, but they're not arguing anything's changing. They're just saying, make this deal and then we'll take you off the terrorist list. Okay, well, so then obviously being on the terrorist list has almost nothing to do with actually being a terrorist or actions they claim you're part of. Either that means they were always lying about what they were doing and lied about being on that list or lied to get them on the list, or they don't care that they are terrorists. However you spin it, it very clearly shows you U.S. government hypocrisy and just dishonesty. But I made that point back when that happened. I, I kind of jumped the gun. That point's important to me. But let's go through what he says here in the, in the opening paragraph. Now, it says the, these attempts to absolve the West of any accountability for the militarized confrontation that could spark civil war and to even blame Russia are leaving out the key context to understand. Now, we write the days of, of chaos have again left the Sudanese population without any sense of security and in fear for their lives. Now, this has been going on a long time. 
just like a lot of these locations that are being outward, like being kept in a state of insecurity to benefit outward, other Western government agendas. That's not to say that that's not something you could argue would be done by other governments like China or Russia. But I would actually love to see evidence of that exact dynamic playing out. And what's funny is people get upset when you make that point, but then fail to give you an evidence, the data point to show that's how. Well, look at the deals they're making in Africa. Okay, well, show me how that's the same thing. Now, I promise you they're strong arming and using their position politically to get deals that benefit them. But the people are signing and mutually agreeing to these deals that also give them some benefit, as opposed to government coming in and saying, you're terrorists. We're going to take your resources and pretend that we're here because you're terrorists. <laughs> this is how we're seeing this play out. The bottom line, though, is that the people suffer. The Sudanese people, as long as it's been going on, are the are the ones suffering, just like the Syrian people, just like the Afghani people, just like the Bolivian people, just like the Venezuelan people. The Iranian people, right? But aren't they the ones that they're claiming to fight for? It's weird how they kind of, in a ubiquitous nature, hurt the people they claim they're fighting. What does that show you? It says the Sudanese military head and de facto leader of the Sudan. Of, oh, ooh, I see a typo there. How in the world did I miss that? Uh, his name is Abdel Fattah al-Burhan. I'm pronouncing it most likely incorrect. Ordered strikes against targets belonging to the rapid support forces. What's interesting to me... Let me grab that real quick. We're doing this live. What's interesting to me is that we talk, we're talking about a, an entity carrying out airstrikes against a, a you know resistance group. And why is that not in the, the news? In the context, I mean, think about any other a context of this happening between the Palestinians and these and and the occupying force. Let's think about this happening with the Syrians. And like, it's weird how some situations like this matter. Right. Or when the U.S. government bombs in numerous locations, one of them being Sudan, nobody seems to talk about it. The media doesn't focus on it because they don't want you looking over here. And it's this, this is the same game playing out like any other classic regime change manipulation. Now, it's saying they're claiming they were put they were plotting a military coup. All these narratives sound familiar, right? Because it's the same thing over and over. Now, it's not it's not I'm not saying it's not possible. This group was plotting coup, but it's all framing from the group that is, you know, the, bottom, the, the group, however this works in regard to, like, let's take, let's take Syria, for example. It's not to say that the group that we're discussing is inherently good or bad. What bottom line is that the group could, let's say, be fighting for something they feel is just, and that gets called terrorism by the force that doesn't like what they're fighting for. But independently, you may look at both sides and say, well, they're both doing things we don't like. The bottom line is political framing. And the U.S. government is, I mean, historically, the most obvious example of Framing people that have nothing to do with what they're calling it, just it, it's it's the example. It's like calling the Islamic Guard of Iran terrorists. Now you could claim, you could claim all day point all day long at things you claim that they did that were this or that that wrong or evil or or even war crimes. But you know what? You could do that with the U.S. military too, and you could make an honest argument about why they could be called a terrorist organization, especially if you're calling other military forces the same. But the point is the, the main point is that you are arbitrarily calling something like that that doesn't actually fit the full picture, especially when it's a state-sponsored entity, as something it's not for political reasons. But it's saying the, uh, the going forward, the RSF were set up under former Sudanese was set up under former Sudanese dictator Omar Bashir in the 2013 as a militia force that combined forces of the infamous John Aweed and was used to crush his political rivals. The RSF head, Hamedi, grew in the ranks over the years as a power militia leader and was given free reign to seize lucrative gold mines in Darfur. Is that legal? 
it's okay as long as the right power says you can, right? Like stealing gold from Venezuela or just pretending that you're just not going to give it back because, well, he's a terror, a narco terrorist, as you literally work with Colombia, which is the leading cocaine distributor in the world. But, you know, so, so he's the bad guy. So we only talk about that one. Right. So in this case, it's like, you know, go ahead. You steal the gold mines that belonged to the rival tribal leader at the time, eventually making him one of the wealthiest men in Sudan. That's, you know, so ill-gotten illicit means or illicit means and ill-gotten goods or however you frame that. After the RSF gained its horrifying reputation through mass killings, this is the important part. Nobody denies this at this point. Mass killings, rape and other atrocities. The militia leader who was empowered by President Omar Bashir, turned against him in 2019. The RSF and the Sudanese army together decided to participate in a coup to officially oust Bashir and end his 30-year reign, taking advantage of a civilian-led uprising that demanded the fall of the dictatorship in the Sudan. Now, a transnational, a transitional military council was then set up, which is created with the stated aim of capitu- uh, uh, catapulting excuse me, Sudan towards civilian rule. The, T, the TMC or the, the, the Transitional Military Council, which, you know, is always something like the, the, the argument that the military junta in Bolivia was about democracy is all this, these are lies that were, that were always told if the right side's doing the wrong thing. The TMC was formally headed by Sudan's army chief, General Abdel Fattah al-Buran, with the deputy head of the TMC being Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo. Uh, That's the, with the, you know, he has the short name Hamedity or Hamedti. The Transitional Sovereignty Council was later set up and was overthrown in another coup in 2021 before being reinstated later that year. The recent power-sharing balance had been maintained between the Sudanese army and the Rapid Support Forces, the RSF, the militia of Hamedi, with a deal having been struck on the, imp- the implementation of civil rule last December. So that was where that, that's where it kind of got left. A lot of turmoil, and of course, the whole time, Civilian suffering. And we've been intermittently covering what's been going on there. So people knew when the U.S. government was getting involved or when people were being killed and it was being framed as combatants. So kind of got stuck where it was paused, where it was, you know, the argument being the implementation of civil rule, which pretty almost always, I think I could just say always, is the last thing that a power structure ultimately wants. Average people telling them what to do. What is important to understand here, he said, Robert writes, is that the portrayal of recent events by the Western media is deliberately, and this is important to understand, they know what they're lying about, deliberately misrepresenting the extent to which the United Kingdom, the U.S. governments, as well as Israel's government, have been involved in the Sudanese affairs. Now, why would they leave that out? Like, at the very least, why wouldn't they just frame it as them being there in a freedom role or whatever? It's, I think it's because it's so obvious that they just, this is, they, they, the best they can do is obfuscate, just omit the point. The narrative that is being pushed by, of course, the New York Times is that, quote, the violence is an alarming turn for a country that only four years ago was an inspiration to Africa and the Arab world. For, the, for no other reason than that they were normalizing with Israel. Suddenly that just wipes the slate clean, right? Claiming that Sudan had been on the path to democracy. Now, a New York Times piece on the issue reports that the U.S. had lifted its sanctions on Khartoum because it was inching closer to democracy. That's Sudan. Now it says when in reality, Washington removed its designation of Sudan as a state sponsor of terrorism as a simple reward for signing the normalization deal with Israel. No changes required. I don't know how you don't see what that shows. People just choose not to acknowledge that you either were a bad guy and were on the list for a reason or you weren't. 
And in any way you look at this, they either didn't need to take any, change anything or they were never wrong to begin with. So the U.S. government has always been lying about this. They're using very real things that take people's lives and put civilians in risk to force and strong arm people into position they want. The U.S. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin also signed an agreement to provide a bridge loan. Of course he did to clear the one point two billion dollar debt that the Sudan owed to the World Bank. And that is how you end up in debt slavery by going along with the bad guys. The normal, I say, I say that to be kind of juvenile about it because that's how they play this game. But again, it's not as binary as good and bad. But the point is the people, you know, again, it's most likely bad and bad, to be clear, and levels of it. But on this side, you can see a dishonest entity that is trying to trap you in this situation. So they essentially own your assets. Same thing that was seemingly going on with the injections, by the way. The normalization deal with Israel was signed in secret. It is no surprise that just over 48 hours prior to the outbreak of violence between the Sudanese military... And the RSF on Saturday, this is the, la- the not yesterday, but the, the Saturday before that, special envoys from the U.S., from the U.K. and Sweden had all taken part in a call with the RSF leader, Hamedi, about the dispute over requests to integrate the RSF into the regular Sudanese armed forces. Isn't that strange, right? So moments before this happens, it all breaks off. They had just met with the good guys, right? This demonstrates that up until the last days, prior to the outbreak of violence, Western envoys were openly in direct communication with the RSF. Odd that the corporate media missed that. In quotes, missed that. The corporate media are clearly omitting key facts because the RSF's war crimes are well documented. In fact, the TMC that was established after the ouster of, of Bashir work to downplay and block investigations into the massacre in 2019 of around 120 peaceful protesters by the RSF. That's according to the Human Rights Watch. So it's funny how peaceful protesters being slaughtered matters more than anything when it's the bad guy doing it, in quotes, the guy they don't want you to, the people they want to steal from. But of course, when it's their entities doing things like this, well, those are terrorists and they're freedom fighters. Despite numerous pledges by Buran and Hamedi to instate a civilian leadership, replaced, replacing the post-2019 revolution military rule, which is usually where they want it to stay, that never occurred. Just, I mean, it's, it's like any other location we can look. Democracy has a very strange way of looking like authoritarian despotism, doesn't it? Only when it's carried out by the United States. What's more is that the RSF has not only attempted to form relations with international players from the United States, Israel, and Russia, but has sent men from its 100,000-strong militia force to fight in the ongoing war in Yemen. Now, you ha- now, what's interesting, by the way, is the new direction, which I still yet to have made my decision on what's actually going on with Saudi Arabia, Iran, Yemen, and the normalization. And, and, and Russia. I, I, I'm not sure if I feel... I don't want to take that at face value, but it's interesting to see the Sudan, you know, rather specifically the RSF, sending men to fight in Yemen. This is a group that's not even in charge technically, but a group that's seen as the militia fighting group. And you're sending military men from your force fighting for allegedly freedom in Sudan to Yemen? Well, why? Well, obviously, because there's a huge agenda for the people controlling this force in Yemen. That'd be my opinion. But it says for for both Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. Now, Mohammed uh, uh, Hamedi's official Facebook page was even revealed to have been managed from the UAE. Kind of sounds like Hadi in Riyadh. With Yemen, right? How this leader was supposedly living in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia for the last 10 years and was still in charge of Yemen when nobody wanted him there. That doesn't, that, that's been pushed aside now. The guy's never been in charge. That was a U.S. puppet. They just gave up on that. Remember, remember Guaido? 
<laughs> remember Juan Guaido? Remember that that guy that they swore up and down was the leader up until like moments ago when they realized they needed Venezuela for something today? That's how it works. It's sad and pathetic. Proving just how close the Emirates, the, Emir- the, U- the UAE is to RSF. The UAE and Saudi Arabia are close Western allies in the Middle East. But again, with Saudi Arabia, there might be a differing po- moving part in all of this. But most importantly, we're key in pushing Donald Trump's Abraham Accords, which shows you again how he is just as much tied up with all this as any other president, which Abu Dhabi was the primary regional advocate for. In addition to this, the UAE helped coordinate between Sudan and the U.S. in order to have them sign the normalization agreement with the Israelis. Now, of course, a lot of people in the Republican, you know, hardcore Trump supporting side of this won't want to realize that the Israeli government is everything that they clearly are which has nothing to do with whether they're Jewish or not, or the, or the Zionist Christians or the Orthodox Jews in Israel that are attacked by the IDF for pointing out that they're using Judaism to achieve their political ends. All that's present and very clear. The point is that they don't want to see that this is a government murdering people, regardless of what you claim we're talking about when I just said exactly what I meant. The Abraham Accords were all about the normalization with this violent, extremist, racist, Zionist-led leadership in Israel. The point is that's still going on, and it's all based on that. So you have to ask, what's the leading entity in all of this? Hamedi has also attended various security meetings with Israeli officials and intelligence officers, including a two-day trip to Tel Aviv to discuss bilateral relations between Sudan and Israel in late 2021. In December of 2022, an investigative report even revealed that an Israeli intelligence firm had transferred cutting-edge phone surveillance equipment to the Sudanese militia. This is all to say that the Israeli, UAE, Saudi, UK, American bloc have been aligned with the RSF. To be clear about this, aligned with them, despite the undeniable, verified history of rape, invasion, home invasions, massacres, and torture. But when you really stand back, that makes perfect sense. It's the same kind of groups they work with everywhere else when they're screaming freedom. The moderate rebels, you know, all the same kind of groups. Remember the people they worked with in Venezuela, the people that we caught on video throwing Molotov cocktails and the thing that was supposed to be full of food that they were supposed to get, but it was really full of barbware and nails. Right? It was such an obvious lie. And all of the media towed that line, just like they all towed the lie about Poland being bombed by Russia. It's pathetically obvious today. The point is the people that are framing themselves as the good guys are actively working with people that rape, murder, home invade and torture. Not a secret, and it's easily proven. Hamedi's role is ruling over Sudanese gold mines. Gold mines. Remember, we just pointed that point this out. It's a that's the money exchange, in at least in one part, which has caused disease and birth defects from left behind toxic waste, as well as environmental catastrophes. But we're all about the green future, right? Except everywhere we're working surreptitiously in these areas we don't want you to see, right? Mining all this lithium with five-year-old children. Don't look over there. That gives him great power, of course, Hamedi of which he fears he could lose if the country was to come under civilian rule. So he has a personal motivation to stop that from happening. Last year, Sudan had the highest annual gold production production in its history. 50% of the precious metals is estimated to have been smuggled out of the country illegally. So as always, the people that are in control or backed by the outside parties claiming to fight for the people are not only making the people suffer, but they're outsourcing and, and funneling out the wealth of those people. So even if they were here stealing that wealth, if they were still processing it through the country, the people would get something, the old lie of trickle-down economics. But the point, that's not even happening. This money is being stolen from the country and being used with Western powers because the people they put in control don't care about the Sudan. 
where the Western media focuses instead, of course, and this is, of course, very telling to what's going on today, is on, uh, I, I'm not even sure how to pronounce this guy's name, on the Wagner Mercenary Group. Yevegni, Prighorzhin, <laughs> obviously not correct. Wagner's Mercenary Group connection to the Sudanese gold mining industry and the usage of the Sudanese bases to secure the transfer of Russian mercenaries into the country, which began in 2017, according to an investigation report published last year. So no one's disputing that the Russian government is using bases in Sudan to facilitate the transfer of their people into the, into the Ukraine war and, and anywhere else connected. So, But because they're there, the argument of the media is, well, we know Russia bad guy, therefore we know their presence is everything that's happening. But you know what they're missing is, you know, that... that finicky little thing called evidence and facts. Whereas we have it in spades over here to show you that they're involved, they're talking with them, they're funding them, they're aware of what they're doing and don't care. But on this side of it, this is just a simple use of the area, likely to the benefit of the Sudan. I don't know that for sure, but typically these locations and group, you can see that they're like the U.S. military will basically seize territory to do this. And you can show that other countries make deals with these countries. You know, it's just so funny how obvious this is. And that's not to say Russia, good guy, bad guy, whatever. They're, I think all of these governments are wildly manipulative and will happily take advantage and kill people to achieve their ends. But in this moment, we see evidence, and that's all I'm looking at. What we see is them framing that location, that presence, as being because of the problem or be, uh, causing the problem. Now, it's just based upon this investigative work of this recent report and a number of allegations about ties between the Wagner Group and the RSF, which is, you know, they're try again, just like with the vanilla ISIS argument, they're desperate to try to make it seem like Russia is the impetus for the Nazi problem in Ukraine. This is the same game being played. You can prove the RSF are directly tied to these Western powers, but they're trying to blame it on the Wagner Group because they know they're the on the surface. The RSF are the terrible ones. We can all go, oh, they're rapists and torturers. Must be Russia, as we ignore all the evidence. But they're saying that their ties there and the Western corporate press is now pushing a conspiracy theory, completely baseless, that Moscow has engineered the recent outburst of violence inside the Sudan just because they're there. It must be them. Right. One of the allegations against Russia is that they are stealing gold in order to fund the war in Ukraine. I mean, for so many reasons, this is such a flimsy and, and childish argument. One, as we just went over and the links are in the article for you to read for yourself. The, the guy directly backed by the West is the one funneling it out and controlling the gold mines. But let's blame it on Russia for something we can't even outline or prove. But the bottom line is, are they suffering financially in Russia or Ukraine? All the evidence suggests otherwise, except you just, other than listening to the Western narrative. Now, it's, as Robert writes, this argument is based upon the false Western narrative that Moscow has become severely weak economically due to Western sanctions. Now, I guarantee it has an effect, but just like Iran and other locations, they have insulated themselves for years which it still does have an effect. But the idea that they're somehow so they're struggling to the point, it, it's not true. And I think, I mean, look, it could be true and the evidence is uh, falsified. That's certainly possible. But as far as I can tell, there's literally nothing but them claiming it, suggesting that they are suffering financially. Now, it says The Telegraph, for example, published a piece where the author framed the RSF as falling under the control of Wagner. And from there, theorized about whether Russian President Vladimir Putin had personally engineered the crisis. Except there's literally no evidence to make that argument. Thus, Vladimir Putin, uh, either by accident or design, has helped unleash a wave of violence. So when they say accident design, or you know, these are little insights that they, we don't know what we're talking about. 
we're grandly theorizing, which, by the way, would be okay. We're always, it's always okay to guess into, to theorize about possibilities, but what they're doing is lying to you. They're building a lie and then standing on that lie to theorize further and then even claiming that theorization is ultimately the truth. That's the dishonest part of it. I'm always willing to stand back and go, could this happen? Could that happen? But that's my opinion, guys, and I don't know if that's true. I have no evidence to back it up. You'll always hear me say that. That's not what they'll do. Because their game is not to say, we're just guessing. Their game is to say, we know because we're experts and they said so, and here's our national security evidence, and this is most likely what's happening. That's different, and they are lying to you. Now, it says, while there is evidence that Wagner is involved with the RSF and the gold mining industry in the Sudan, the assertion that the recent conflict is the fault of Russia is not only unsubstantiated, but tantamount to outright delusion. It is true that the Russian state's involved with Sudan, but Moscow's involvement in plans for further cooperation with the Sudan suggests that the current conflict is actually against its interest, as we were saying. In February, the Sudanese ruling military government concluded a review of an agreement with Russia to build a naval base on the Red Sea. And there's the point. An agreement. An agreement. Whether or not Russia strong arms and gets the better of the deal and takes advantage, at some point, Sudan, the Sudan, the ruling factions are agreeing to this because there's a benefit. It's very different than going, well, you're bad guys. We're going to take that. And then turns out, well, they weren't really bad guys, but too late now, it doesn't matter. Which would be of tremendous strategic importance to the Russian Federation to maintain their, the direction they were already going. And what's happening, it goes against that. The Sudanese ruling was that, was that when the civilian government comes into power, then the base plans can commence. So until that civilian government comes into play, the Russian government doesn't get its bases where they want them, at least on the surface. Whereas the other side of it, the civilian power, goes directly against Western interests. So what do you think is happening? The recent armed clashes, but and that, just opinions. Has to me clear that those are opinions. But think about the, the logic to it and then apply the evidence we've shown you. The, the recent armed clashes therefore put the Russian plans on hold, at least perhaps endangering them entirely, especially if civil war breaks out, meaning this conflict would actually sabotage Moscow's ambitions and work in the favor of Washington. He finishes with the one thing that is correct is the analysis in the analysis offered by corporate media, specifically the Telegraph, was that the conflict, conflict, excuse me, has potentially disastrous consequences for the surrounding region, which is always how this goes. The average people suffer. The people they claim they're trying to protect suffer. The only people that benefit from their freedom-fighting democracy, you know, nation-building, are the corporate entities, the banks, and the government of the West. That's it. History makes that clear. I would love for you to point out one example where these invasions caused anything but suffering and terrible things. Now, it says specifically in the case of Egypt, their national security would be severely threatened if the, if the war breaks out. But most crucially, Cairo, Egypt, will be forced to take more direct action against Ethiopia over the Nile Dam dispute with Sudan out of the picture. As Egypt is currently presenting, prob uh, presenting problems for the United States, which has dominated the North African nation since the 1970s, remember Trump, where's my favorite dictator? Seeing them pl uh, plunged into a real confrontation could pull them back in line. Now, maybe that's the whole point. Multifaceted, as usual, to drive other people that are you know, noticing the d diminishing power of the West and kind of going, well, we're going to lean this way. Oh, oh, oh. Well, we're going to initiate plan B, plan C, plan D. Says in the case of Ethiopia, the U.S. Biden administration was on the side of the TPLF. Of course, and this always think about this: the, the, the Biden administration or the U.S. government always taking a side is not just standing up and going, "We agree with one side or the other," or rather that we all we call for, you know, as they do with the ridiculous thing they say when Israel bombs Palestine. Oh well, we call for calm on all sides. No, no, no. 
when it is in their interest, they take a side and they act on that side and they militarily lead on that side. And then you find out that it wasn't just taking a side, but in fact, they initiated the whole damn thing. And that's usually how this goes throughout history. And it could be because of resources, could be geostrategic control, could be any number of things. These days, it could be because of the Great Reset. The point is the Biden administration was on the side of the TPLF, and we're supposed to assume that means freedom. It almost usually doesn't. And this is the insurgency against the Ethiopian government. So as they're screaming about insurgency and and all the things they're blaming on the Republicans, the U.S. government is actively carrying out insurgencies all around the world. Talk about being a hypocrite. Now, that insurgency began in 2020 and ended with a ceasefire imposed last year. So in the beginning of the biggest pandemic in a century, they decided to take advantage of that and invade a country, you know, for freedom. As discussed above, if the Sudanese conflict causes a knock-on effect, initiating an Ethiopian and Egypt conflict, Washington would obviously benefit from that, whether hot or cold. However, the theory is a stretch, but something that makes sense. Yet with the outlandish and counterfactual allegations that are coming from the, the mainstream media about Russia, it's important to look, he points out, at the counter arguments that may also be a stretch, but makes sense. To conclude, there are strong Israeli, U.S., Saudi, and most prominently the UAE influences in both sides of the fight in Sudan. And this conflict is being fought, at least publicly, over the refusal of the RSF to integrate into the Sudanese military. Now, that would make a lot of sense with what we seem to understand about the RSF, because they lose that power. The RSF knows that it could its power would be greatly curtailed if they make the transition into the civilian government. And that's something that Hamedi especially does not want. Both sides here are led by war criminals. And that's important to understand. This is what I appreciate about Robert's work, the nonpartisan objective perspective. Both are deeply involved with the Western governments and intelligence agencies, which is something that the corporate media does not want you to know. Overall, as always, we have Western powers playing a grand game of geopolitical chess that does not even factor in the lives of the people involved. In fact, more than that, driving and supporting the worst of the worst, the rapers, the torturers, the home invaders, the murderers, and saying, well, we like what they're fighting for because they give us what we want. That's the truth of it. Now, what's funny is I I didn't even think I was going to read through this, but I just felt like this is so damn important, guys. That's not just, I hope you see that it's not even just about the Sudan, right? This goes far beyond as this loses focus, this goes far beyond <laughs> the Sudan. And it really just is about all foreign policy. I mean, anywhere you look, anywhere you look, you will see the trappings of the same game and the same manipulation. That's what these people do. So let's talk about how they're using social media. Oh, actually, one thing I wanted to point out before we went forward was this. I just happened to see this as I was scrolling through. This is a Whitney Webb article, but before she joined TLAV. Nine targets of U.S. regime change in 2017 now top the list of the least peaceful nations. It's the kind of things like that that make you wonder how it's possible that people can still pretend like this is not exactly what we're talking about. I've, I made this joke. I mean, it's not, it's not even funny. It's facetious, it's facetious dude. It's, it's macabre. The idea that, well, if they're fighting for freedom, they've failed every single time. So maybe we should just be like, hey, guys, take a break. 
I know you're fighting for freedom, but you suck at it, right? You're clearly failing and causing destruction and terror and bad things. So let's just let's just kind of let you not do that anymore. How about we stand up as the grownups of the world and say, hey, buddy, you got to stop trying to free people because you're hurting all of them, right? The joke is that's obviously not the truth. We need to stand back and be honest with ourselves and realize that the argument of freedom fighting and democracy building was the narrative spun over the Department of War that got turned into the Department of Defense. It's the same game. If we can see that nine targets of U.S. regime change are right now the most unstable, we need to realize that they never even, if if they ever even intended to make it better, they at the very least failed every single time. And here we are. And yet we still get told that this makes sense and we got to keep trying for freedom. And it's always these emotional ploys. And it's like everything else we talk about. Now, let's talk about the Twitter discussion for a minute, because I do think this is very interesting. One, and again, I think this is talking about the two-party paradigm and how it stops us from really even... Most people that are consumed in the Twitterverse, in the conversations that are being had there, have no idea what's going on with things like this. I mean, I should say most, but a lot of people. And I do think at the very least, that's what it's meant to do. So let's let's dive into that that mire of, of division. The censored News points out, Substack co-founder is actually still claiming as of uh, let's see, three days ago, that Substack is still and still being manipulated, and as far as I can tell, it is. You can you can share it, you can engage, but it's very obvious that Substack links just don't pop pop up anymore. You know, when you share a link and it shows, what well, I got some example here somewhere. Where is that? I guess I've got nothing. <laughs> well, when you share a link, and like I like this post right here, and the, the bottom thing pops up, right? And that's not happening with Substack. So that's a choice, right? Because obviously there's, and that, that seems like honestly a pretty juvenile and, and spiteful choice because, well, if the issue is that they're, you know, stealing and, and Matt Taibbi and they're working over the, well, then you would have kept what you did. But no, you let it come back and you let it be shared. You just got, well, fine, but you don't get to see it then. <laughs> that seems pretty stupid, doesn't it? That's interesting. Let's see what they're talking about with Matt. Matt Taibbi is trending as we talk about that. It says, why shouldn't they? This says U.S. Democrats. Oh, this is the same thing as they're going after him for. I, we already talked about this. It's pretty stupid, especially since it's, it seems pretty clear that he wasn't wrong ultimately. But, you know, maybe this was the whole point. Maybe Matt Taibbi was picked so he could be thrown under the bus and used as the sacrificial lamb for the agenda. It wouldn't surprise me. I also wanted to point something out, by the way, since we're here. Uh, this is interesting. There's been a lot. Oh, look at that's different. What's this verified organization? I think that might be what I'm talking about. Or nothing, I guess. Well, anyway, I, I've decided to try out the verifying... There it is. Thing on the main... the, the On Twitter, to where you're not verifying. I, you know, I haven't given any information. All you have to do is just connect, you know say yes and let it go forward. The point being, though, that it's, you can put that there, I guess. News media. But also that it uh, looks like... Or you're supposed to be. <laughs> I guess maybe they took it back. I was going to say, it looks like you can donate to me through the platform, but it looks like they took it away. I'm, I'm like, I mean, my God, this is actually pretty crazy, guys. Let me check my phone while we're doing this really quickly, because it just, I have, I'm going to make some points about Twitter and how ridiculous, like, I mean, to the point to where it's almost, it's almost insulting how obviously Elon Musk is just doing whatever, which it's his prerogative. He bought it, but 
don't then pretend like it's all about free speech when you're just kind of like on a whim being like, okay, then 69% media or 69% government controlled because what a joke he made. Or now here's taking my blue checks. Now we'll give them right back. And let's, you know, it just, it just seems like a big joke for me. Let's see if my profile. Yeah. Okay. It was weird. So on the, on the phone, apparently you're able to donate to, to the last American vagabond through Twitter. And apparently they claim they don't take anything from it. I kind of find it hard to believe, but hey, if it's one more way you can send funds our way, then, then, I, then I recommend you do it any other way than this. And mail is probably the best today. Any case, I think that's interesting. But so the same point we're going to talk about today is this whole Twitter thing with the verified blue check mark. My point that I made the whole time was when this first came around, and I said, right when it first happened, I said, if my account gets reinstated, then yeah, sure, I'll try it. I'll, I'll, I would like to see how this plays out. And I was willing to pay $8 a month or whatever just to see how it played out. I, w- I actually don't even think I was going to keep it. I just wanted to see how it worked. And then I did it and never got charged for it. And I've never, I don't have any of the benefits. I can't tweet longer tweets. I can't share longer videos. I've demonstrated this on numerous shows. So it's very strange. Um, so hold on, I just lost the thing here. Oh, so the point is, but it still says sub- subscribe to Twitter Blue. So I don't have any of the benefits, but I get the blue check mark. Now, what I, I thought this was very strange until what just kind of went down. So it makes it, it seems like there's a choice being made here. Now I don't know if that means it happened to me where they just they just decided to give it to me for free, but that is what seems to have happened recently. Here is oh, first of all, the point was on this. Back to this, just he followed up saying, "Can you prove that that's happening?" He's saying that Twitter is back to messing with Substack and you know suppressing links and news. I mean, I think we all know that's happening. Now, here's what we're seeing. I, by the way, I do find this very funny. I haven't tweeted about this. I, I think the, the, the saga of all of these completely out of touch and babied and pand, pandered to stars are like acting like it's a travesty that they had their blue checks taken away. It's, just, it's hilarious to me. But Jason says, okay, everyone, Twitter has removed my verification. I will no longer be posting on this app. Okay, who cares, Jason? Who cares? I don't understand why they think it means anything for them to be like, to make a big stomping moment and say, I'm going to no longer. Nobody cares, dude. It's hilarious. But my point in this is that they didn't ask, or, or, you know, I should take that back. I think in some cases a long time ago, people would like ask for verification, but then they took that away and made it where they just, that the company decided, right? So the point is, it's not something that you like petitioned for, not before. They just decided you were a famous person. They gave it to you or a lot of times didn't if they didn't like what you were. So it's funny that they're like, you took it away from me. So all the, this is like you're taking away their fame. And, and that's pretty childish and pathetic, don't you think? Charlie Sheen. Now, of all of them, he did this the best way, it seems. And I think this is why maybe he did, you know, I, I, like, I don't say best in the good way, but just kind of like, Stepped in and said, hey, you took it away. Can you give it back? Thanks, man. <laughs> like everybody else seems to be losing their minds. Charlie Sheen says, I'm sorry your fancy rocket exploded in spectacular fashion. So that's obviously a slight. I'm certain you'll build an even bigger and more exploding one. Now, may I please have my blue check back? It would mean a lot to me. Thank you in advance, Charlie Sheen. Okay. This one is obviously one of the best. This is what I made fun of. Uh, I'm not even going to try to find my quoted tweet. It's in there somewhere. Elon Deciding that I'm not me, I'm fake and obliging me, who has contributed mightily to your platform. This is Bette Midler, by the way. <laughs> At least until you tweak the algorithm and take my metric. Is that what happened? Maybe it's because you were being unjustly raised up. Uh, maybe. To pay monthly because you don't have enough money and you're humiliated because everybody thinks you're a pathetic douche and it's the funniest thing you've ever done. Let that sink in. Sorry to hear about your rocket. 
my God. These are grown-ups. These are grown-ups that are supposed to be like the leading people of society, which, you know, not, nobody actually thinks that, I don't think, but that's the, how they perceive themselves as the famous and fighting for the environment stars or whatever, you know, the way they perceive themselves today. But think about this. First of all, who's deciding that you're not you? The blue check mark was not given to everybody. There's plenty of people that operate on this platform that don't have them. And the idea that you somehow think that that's him saying you're not you just shows you how completely out of touch you are with even the conversation on Twitter. It's kind of hilarious to me. But all this aside, this is the same game as before. I think it's being done this way to get even people like me to kind of relish in the fact that people like this who are completely on their ivory tower, they think that they are involved with everything when really they're the most uninformed, most, you know, the bottom line is they want people like me to go, good, <laughs> And make fun of it and lean into it. Now, I, I can enjoy the entertainment side of this, but we have to realize how this just shows it's the same game being played in a different direction. In different ways, too. Here's a funny one. Alyssa Milano says, so by revoking my blue check mark, because I wouldn't pay some arbitrary fee, someone can just be me and say a bunch of BS? Nope. <laughs> well, I would say no, because that's how it was supposed to go. But guess what? I'll show you something interesting next as we're supposed to understand it by what, by what Elon said, is no. Because you still have to prove that you're you to get the mark or whatever. And if you, and you pretend to be somebody else, you can already be removed. You know, same game. So these people are just making big stompy statements that are hilarious but are, are wrong. Impersonation is still and has been against the rules. It didn't change, but it's being applied selectively. I'll show you what I mean. It says, does that mean Twitter and Elon are liable for defamation and identity flaw? I mean, wow. I mean, just read the comments, guy. Everybody is like, are you guys three years old? Like, it's just kind of pathetic how much this meant to you. Now, here was the point I was going to make. Now, this didn't say Dennis before. I, I had it up, but I, I didn't have it. nobody on the way back. I forgot to save it. I didn't take a screenshot. It's my fault. But it says Alyssa Milano. Now, you can see this one says Alyssa Milano, but there's no secondary. There's not that last little underscore, right? Now, this one says Alyssa Milano. With the, did they have a check mark? And neither did she, by the way. Now, oh, I forgot to make this point. They all have their check marks now because they got given back. When they wrote these, they didn't have their check marks. This was like yesterday or the day before. So she writes this going, oh, my God, it's taken away. And now, but now she got it back. My point was, at the time she wrote that, this one made an account, and it looked identical. Had the same image, had everything except one more underscore right there. So essentially, that's what she was saying. Now, it does appear that it got at least pushed back to where you had to change the name and the picture. Or he just did it of his own accord, or you know, however it works. But it's kind of funny that it didn't really it worked kind of the way she said it, even though it wasn't supposed to. But again, I don't agree with the idea of the check mark. Seemingly, it worked out the way that it's supposed to, where you got pushed back and so on. But here's Matt Wallace, you know, one of these guys that have just been like every 13 seconds is parading something about Elon, how amazing his shoe size is, and I can't believe he's worn that hat today. Man, these people are so amazing. Like, that's the kind of stupidity I see on Twitter about Elon Musk today. But he says, Elon Musk decided to troll all the people hating on blue check marks by gifting them blue check marks. <laughs> what a legend. Uh, okay. So you gave them what they wanted. Oh, man, you got them, didn't you? Now, I don't know if that is what he tried to do and that was meant to be sort of a game or this guy, Matt, is just like, taking something that's the opposite and going, man, he sure tricked you. I think it's kind of funny. I mean, that's not really what you think it is, bud. That's the opposite. You gave them back the blue check marks that they ju you just said they're dumb for taking and you got them. <laughs> okay. I don't understand that. But what's funny is he then tweets out checkmate. 
I think that's kind of obvious. The point is, I guess he's trying to frame this as some sort of like, I got you moment, even though he gave him right back. So I guess that's what Elon wants Matt to do is pretend like it was some kind of a game. It's not though. I don't think, but here's on a quick side note. This is funny. Here's one of these, I believe is one of these Q kind of followers note. Elon did not say checkmate. He said, check space mate critical difference and purposeful check. What now that's the question. Some kind of Guantanamo. I mean, actually, the point is, <laughs> maybe he's right, but I think he's pretty sure he meant check, as in check, mate. Yep. But let's let's grandiose in a grandiose fashion. Let's lean in and be like, what do you mean? Check this or check. Read down here, and you'll find everybody going as far as like Guantanamo and tri- tribunals, and it's coming because he made the cryptic mark that we're pretending means what we think it means, and then, oh, that that that's QAnon in a, in a in a nutshell. I just think that's hilarious. Not, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know if that's what that guy is, but this is the kind of thing we see. Sure, do that. You're, ask that question. But when people come in and go, no, it's not what he meant, that's the kind of people that attack you for saying, you're shilling for the narrative. Like, well, you're showing for a completely made up analogy or narrative that you think is true. In any case, I think that's funny. And then Bet Miller chimes in. Yes, Elon gave me back my blue check, but I didn't pay for it. Does that make me a good guy or a bad guy? Weren't you the one just saying that Twitter's terrible now and that you're not going to be here anymore? Not just because the check mark, but because everything's bad. Oh, so it was just about the personal check mark and the and the badge of, of you're a, you're the the high leaning person and in the so it was all about you and your ego. Got it? Okay. Does that make me good or bad? <laughs> I'm so confused. So far, 400 people have signed on to get their check marks. Guess Twitter. Now this is all stemming from this which I find very interesting. I, was, I guess I was going to end with this. I don't know if this is true. So this random guy, Jordan, who has 21,000 followers, tweets a picture. I guess that's what Twitter files did to everybody, including those that were attacking Twitter, is that they all believe this. In total, we've 400 blue purchases in the last 24 hours. 400. Well, you guys do realize that people have been buying them long before you took them away, right? Okay, well, that's one thing. On top of that, this person could be lying, right? On top of all of that, this might not even be real. LOL, wait. Oh my God, what? That's so funny because we hate Elon and Twitter. Is bad. It's a pol- political game. I think they're all stupid. I think all of them are lying to you. My point is then Mark Hamill comes in and goes, oh, because screenshot, I think this is true, which shows you how juvenile and blindly following these people are. But yet they think they're so smart and so in the know. But yet you're going to look at a a screenshot and go, must be because Elon's bad. After all blue check carnage, whatever that means, a certain someone is roughly $3,200 wealthier. I mean, it's just very sad, isn't it? So that's your barrier of evidence, Mark Hamill? But guess what? I've got a bridge to sell you, bud. But here, this is five times August going, things celebrity make a point to speak out about. Three years of government tyranny, life-destroying mandates, and poison injections. Nah. Blue check marks. God. Oh, yes. We have to talk about it. <laughs> That's a, I love that meme. It's stupid. But here they are towing the same line. Right? It's, it's just like when the corporate media says Russia did it. People like Bette Midler and Mark Hamill are like, we know it. It's fact. Because they said so. Because <laughs> we're smart, right? We know we are. Or you're not at all, actually. Paul Krugman comes in and says... My so my blue check has reappeared. I had nothing to do with that. And I'm definitely not paying. That's a measured response. This makes me say, Kern says, must just fax it to you. But 
this is interesting. So he cry. He he. Elon Musk responds with a cry thing, which I don't even. I don't know. I don't know Paul's status on this conversation thus far. I don't really care. But it seems just like a pretty. Like the, I think what's funny is that they don't want to now be seen as the blue check. Like that's somehow the bad guy side. So they're going. I I didn't pay for it. It's not mine. Which is funny. Now, the only reason I bring it up in the beginning is because that's how this worked. And I was one of the earliest ones to have that weird dynamic. I don't know what that means. But I was, I'm, I, was, I was more than willing to pay for it. So it's not the same argument. But what's interesting is where this goes. This is the kind of subject. So now we're taking this a step further. These are the kind of people. This is literally, guys, a New York Times best-selling author. And a journalist. And an attorney. And this is the kind of argument he makes. Musk is apparently illegally using the name and likeness of a Nobel Prize winner to sell a product. Okay. He put a false representation on a site he controls that says the Nobel laureate purchased and approves of a product he didn't and doesn't. So now we're talking about the blue check mark, despite him openly going, I didn't do it, as some sort of, like he's using him to sell some kind of, like he's like putting a Porsche sign on it to sell Porsches. Like this is, I can't believe the kind of hubristic mindset these people have. Like this is about them, right? Like they're so important and so, it's it's so, what's another word for it? So they, they see themselves as so influential that by giving them back what they literally just asked for, mind you. Give it back! You took it away! And then suddenly, now he's framing them with the use of this. I mean, I, honestly, a lot of this, I, it's entertaining. This, is, I, I, this just seems like nonsense. This is a non-story taking up time. Which I, The reason I want to talk about it is because I think all of this is being used to mire people in this kind of conversation. So we miss things like this. The real stories in the, the East Palestines of the conversation, the Richmond, Indiana's, or the entire world being forced injections. But says when confronted with his tortious conduct, because he's a lawyer, right? He did this. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think, I mean, this is a lawyer saying this, so he must know that's not true. He says, if you ever doubted that white male billionaires don't believe any laws apply to them, well, I think that applies to just all billionaires and government for the most part. But let's only make it about the white people because you are a racist, apparently. This is as good an example of that phenomenon as any. Musk is so confident that he will never be held accountable for his illegal behavior, which I probably agree with. He publicly mocks his victims. This is what you care about, man? I mean, this is pathetic. And the point here is that, and Charlie, she's, oh my, it's like Christmas, my birthday all at once. Elon, I'm flushed with gratitude. And he says, you're welcome. Okay, so the point was, one, most of them asked for it. Two, Elon Musk is openly saying he gave them back to them. So I think this is more about, I mean, let's just say this is true. Maybe it was because he wasn't making any money and just decided to put it back. Or maybe it was a trolling act. Whatever it is, this kind of overreaction is exactly what we're making fun of. That this has gone so far that we now he's gonna he needs to go to prison for giving somebody a check mark that they just moments ago had. Because what it's gonna drive people to buy more? <laughs> Even if that's true, there's nothing illegal about that. The, so somebody leaves you a free car on your front porch. Are you going to be mad that that car dealer is trying to get people to think you bought that kind of car? It's like, it, it's just kind of stupid. This guy must know that he's making a ridiculous argument, but I don't think he cares. And the point about all of this, from Mark Hamill to the rest of them, is this exactly. 
Jeffrey Miller says, name a topic where about 90% of people have no idea what they're talking about historically, theoretically, or empirically, but about 90% of people have very strong views about topic morally and emotionally. I, I don't know where he's meaning this. Could be what we agree with. It could be the other side. But my point was, yeah, it's called life, <laughs> especially when expressed through Twitter. That's what we're dealing with today. Everybody is being driven. I don't mean literally everybody, but everybody lost in the illusion is being driven into this exact conversation or or this kind of dynamic in a conversation where people are being driven to act emotionally without evidence. And it doesn't even matter if they might have evidence. People are reacting in emotional fashion, going off of subjective arguments. Well, we know they've done this before. Therefore, that's what is happening. Or we should ignore what we can prove because usually they lie about this stuff. Why? Yes, we should ask that question. But in the meantime, ignore what we can prove. That can't be the way forward. But that's what we're dealing with, and people are acting like this. Now, on the two-party illusion part of this, I want to make one more point that I think is very important. Julie Donut says, everybody knows the 2020 election was rigged and stolen. Now, I agree with that. Both sides tried to manipulate it, as they always do, and you can prove every election as far back as I can look. But yes, I, I agree with that. Everyone knows, yet someone don't, some don't care because their guy won. Well, I would argue if it was in reverse, you'd probably be doing the same you probably will ignore things that made it look like it was stolen and just take the narrative they spun, which says that they didn't. I don't know, Julie, so I don't know. I would argue that a lot of people in this position would do that. It's just like it's team sport politics. Just like you know they didn't really score that touchdown, but you're like, call it for him anyway because we're all going to cheer. That's how this works. Everyone knows that if you don't have fair elections, bad things happen because you can rig an election. Sorry to tell you, Julie, they're all fake. Your vote doesn't actually count. But people don't want to hear that today. So this is just one step removed from the illusion, but you're still lost in the willful ignorance of the illusion, in my opinion. But here's what comes back to. This is why I'm talking about this. We keep talking about the patriots and how that's being framed, right? Where we see the two-party illusion. No, you're, you're beginning to. All you're really doing is just stepping away from certain Republicans and claiming that you're the good side of that party and just calling it the patriots. But you're still voting in the two-party system. You're still voting Republican. You're not aware of the problem or you are and don't care. I just don't know how you can still see that. But if you're at least aware that there are people on both sides of the illusion that are all part of the same agenda, then you're starting to see it. But guess what? A lot of those patriots are also part of that same illusion. You're just being swayed into a new aspect of the two-party game. And here is that exactly. Now, this this is a quote from Grant, but it's being I've seen this everywhere lately. There are but two parties now. Traitors. And patriots. Well, there you go. So we're right back. We we had moments there. We had three things going on. Now we're right back to two. That's either patriots or the rest of you. Okay, well, that's a two-party paradigm, isn't it? Yes, it is. So just call it something new. It's the same old game. That's how they play this. Don't fall for it. Now, as Kim Iverson just wrote, Twitter is filled with radicals. I think we feel that. Yeah, I would agree. I wouldn't necessarily disagree. This place makes... Anyone with a nuanced middle ground feel middle ground view feel alone in the world when in reality we are the majority. As I wrote, I often wonder if this is the illusion itself. Using bots and dishonest influencers, all meant to drive those with a balanced perspective, objective, you know, somebody in the middle going, well, evidence, and we, we, we hear both sides, and we want to come to a balanced conclusion, you know, the honest, intelligent individual to drive those people into one extreme or to leave thinking they are the fringe minority and it's just not worth fighting for. I think that's what's happening. 
I don't disagree with Kim's perception, but I think often we're being tricked into thinking that that is everything. When I'm pretty convinced that most everybody is on the side of recognizing that something's wrong right now. Doesn't mean we all agree with every political wedge point. That's probably never going to happen. But everybody, just to a large degree, like the bivalent shot, that's why they just rolled it off the edge and said, well, we're not forcing anybody anymore, so they'll just kind of stop making it clear that no one's taking what they told them they had to take. People didn't take it. Well, yeah, they successfully scared and tricked and forced a lot of people into getting numerous. But that showed you that even the, fo- the hardcore followers did not take it. So we are seeing through the illusion, I think, in Ukraine, a lot of other locations. But this is meant to stop that from getting traction. That's what I think. Even if it's right, you know, even if it's even if she's right, we still need to lean into the other side of it because that's how we get. That's how change is actually going to happen. Seeing through the two party illusion, crossing the arbitrary lines and realizing the government is doing this to you and no one else. But think about that next time you engage and get frustrated on Twitter, as I do, too, and think, man, everyone's lost their minds. Well, I don't think so. I think that's part of the game. Now, this is where this stuff leads. This is a really, really concerning thing. Now, I want to play this first and we'll talk about it. This is a video of, of a guy being arrested at his own home. Without, I don't, there's no warrant presented. The way that they deal with this, they won't even engage with one of the owners of the house. All apparently because he pierced his son's ear. Now, the story could be a little different, but I don't really think it, in the context of the point that I'm trying to make, I don't think it matters as much. Because the argument is that, well, he, he forced, he, he held his son's head and forced him to get the, forced him to get the piercing because he was drunk, apparently. But, you know, okay, well, there's still a conversation to be had. That doesn't really sound like violence to me, not in the common sense. And on top of that, it's his son. And in the video, the son seems to say that that wasn't what happened, even though there's arguments being made that he did. So what do you think should – do you think this is inappropriate? Do you think that what we're, what we're about to show you is a violation of the law based on what we just said and what you hear in the video? What? What are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? That's the son in the background. Oh, I was just scrolling through my feed when I found this. And they – like, why are they – you're going to hear the terrible crime that he is accused of. Think about that right there. You open the door, and they push in, and she's saying, why are you in the house? And they're going, step back. Right? That is not how this process works. Step back? You're in my house. You better show me a warrant or – I mean, well, or what? I mean, at this point, arguably, you you are the way this works. First of all, if somebody is illegally entering your home, whether a police officer or not, the argument should be that you have the ability to force them out of your home. But we know that doesn't work today. The law does not apply to them, just like it doesn't apply to a lot of authoritarian forces. But the reality of what's still technically our rights, or, or what would be no matter what, whether or not they didn't respect them or tore up the Constitution, it's still your inherent right, God-given but that she has a right to know what's going on because she lives there. These people don't care. Now, that's, that's regardless of how benign and arbitrary this art this, is. Look, look, even if you think it was abuse, which there's an argument you made, especially if there's more around the story or the history there, but the idea that four violent cops come in, forcing into your home for one guy who pierced his son's ear, 
For what? Body art without a license. Guys. I believe he's saying body art. Chill. What is really going on here? I mean, she's right, though. Even the way they just handled him right there out of the door, there's no need to be violent, right? They don't like. They just didn't like it. He was laughing, right? So they 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 act with force. That is an abuse of power, and no matter how small. Got him? Yes, I got all of them. Guys, you're in the cameras. This is ridiculous. And you can hear the sun. Piercing his son's ear without a license. Takes three cops, four cops. Coming into my house without permission. No permission. They busted in my front door. This is the boy right here. He got a pierced ear by his dad. These cops busted in my door. Busted in the front door. I wanted my ears pierced. Cuffs on this boy for nothing. Body art without a license for piercing his own son. Sounds of it. So the point is that's that is what apparently happened, and and the and the idea is that the son on the record, whether you know he's worried about his you know lied about or not, is still on the record saying that I wanted my ears pierced. So it's possible that that he. Wanted him pierced, <clears throat> and then the dad, in a you know act of when he you know a joke when he's drunk or whatever, maybe an act of violence when he's drunk, grabs him and does it to him. Okay, well, it's it's a far cry. I mean, look look at it this way, and this is this is not you know this is what they would call about what aboutism, and it, it is to a degree. It's just to give a comparative point is that we've got plenty of examples of police who are actively allowing. Well, let's talk about children to take gender reassignment surgery despite their parents' wishes. Right. Or all sorts of other things that seem to undermine this very discussion, because what the problem, the problem is for these police is that he did something he wasn't supposed to do. So but but of course, if it was a trans kid, well, then it would the idea, you know, there's all these caveats to it. But let's just take the trans and super politicized conversation out of it. Just talk about anything else. Talk about all sorts of ways that parents today are legally allowed to abuse their children or ways that they any number of things we've seen happen that they just don't talk about or don't care. Or how about the injection conversation? The bottom line is, this is such a wild overreach for a reasonably benign thing that many would argue the dad has the right to do, especially if the kid then says it wasn't necessarily a problem. I mean, it just seems so wildly over the top when there's a hundred thousand more important things to be done. Don't forget that any moment you could point to these police stations, and I can almost guarantee you they've got a half wall full of rape kits they've never even investigated. That story rose up and fell, and nobody even seemed to care. But yeah, but let's go after all the people with half a gram of marijuana in their pocket, right? Because that's a big deal. It just makes you sick, doesn't it? Now, this is how people respond to this. And this is what I was talking about in the beginning. So look, it doesn't matter whether you disagree. I think as, if we didn't have political differences, I think we would all agree this feels like a wild overreach. That'd be my opinion. But this guy then says, so you're justifying child abuse now? Like what? I mean, it just seems like such a, a comical, like cartoonish overreach or over-dramatization. He says this was a weird hill to die on. I agree. It's a weird thing to say with that kind of video. <clears throat> but Jim says that weird hill is the child said his dad put him in a chokehold and forcibly pierced his ear. Now I have the statement right here. I'll read to you. 
He says that's what the police are claiming. The child says otherwise in the video, which you just heard. Also, this person didn't have that information. They are calling any piercing if a minor uh, of a minor abuse. This says a man who stu- who sucks the do for 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 uh, earmuffs for kids out there. This guy says a man who sucks the DOJ's B-L-A-L-L-S thinks it's a big conspiracy to arrest a drunkard for piercing his son's ear. Okay, so now because you disagree with another thing he said, your son like it just it's just this is politics breaks logic. The two party illusion stops people from recognizing the obvious. As long as it goes, if, if it goes against their perceived side. The juvenile is only saying what his mother wants him to say. Oh, Tom, you know that? Are you their best friends? Did you talk to him afterward? No. That's just what makes your narrative make sense. Therefore, that's what you assume. And everybody's being allowed to lean into that. The government's telling you it's okay in certain conversations. Twitter files are telling you that's the right thing to do. Lean into what you believe and make up a narrative that makes sense. Isn't that what the government does? or rather lean into what you want. Well, here's the statement. This is from the police department itself. On April 20th, the Taunty Town Police Department was contacted by a school resource officer. Ah, okay. So here's an important part of this. As far as this statement says, the child did not go and report anything. The child did not go and say, hey, I feel abused. I feel like this was done inappropriately. I feel like something needs to be done. That didn't happen. The police resource officer, who is just a you know glorified meter maid at this point, and I'm not saying that to diminish the officers that fight off school shootings. It's because I, I knew some of them growing up through high school, and many of them are there because they are being punished, <laughs> right? So the point is, in reference to conducting a welfare concern, and oh, my point in saying that is a lot of them want to do something to get themselves attention, to make themselves seem like they're, they get promoted, right? In reference to conducting a welfare concern <clears throat> on a juvenile male, who resides in, t- in this town, the police resource officer stated a male juvenile went to school with a piercing ear, piercing his left ear. While sitting in class, I guess he was over, was eavesdropping. The student was talking to other students and a teacher was just present. And the juvenile male said his dad was drunk and put him in a chokehold and shoved the piercing in his ear. To me, that sounds like a kid. Well, I, I don't know whether he was upset about it, laughing, whatever else. The kid did not report something. They overheard and then chose of their own accord as the state to step in and do something. That is the problem with the world, with the way this is going today. They're so drunk on their own power that they, oh, well, you didn't give him an injection. We're going to take him away from you and force it. And then he'll die a week later or have problems later. The point is possibly anyway, the point is that that's not their prerogative. That's not their up until very recently. That was completely outside the bounds. Now, because they think it's inappropriate that you pierced his ear a little bit in, in a rough fashion, that we're going to arrest you for it. While sitting in class talking with other students and a teacher present, he stated that, oh, I just read that, it's just, it's the officers responded to the residence, contacted a male identi- identified as Jeremy Sher- uh, Sherland, the father of the juvenile male. Officers explained the reason for their presence. Oh, did they? We just saw it. And Jeremy, about the incident. That's not what happened. In fact, they, he opens the door, they push the door open, and then they go, what's going on? Step back, ma'am, step back. Well, yeah, you forced your way in. I didn't see a warrant presented anywhere. There's no way around this. It doesn't matter how much you agree with this. They violated the most basic mandate. I guess nobody cares about that. 
but they claim, so, you know, showing how dishonest they are in their own retelling of the story, that they did everything they were supposed to. They attempted to investigate the alleged crime further, but Jeremy refused to allow officers to speak with his son and refused to answer questions. At this time, officers left the residence without incident. (laughs) Think about that framing. You guys, that's just they, that. That's what you write down. It seems when you think you've done something wrong. That would be my opinion. That's a you're you are absolutely lying about the way that went down. Whether or not it's a benign situation, yes, they contacted the prosecutor's office to discuss the incident. Um, and it's saying, and it's body piercing, branding, and tattooing. A person shall not perform body art on a person under sixteen, regardless of parental consent. That's all this is. So it looks like they're using. The idea that he did it in a chokehold, which doesn't even seem to be a charge as the the impetus for why it's happening, when really they're just going, whether he did it without the chokehold or drunk or not, it's against the law, so we're going to arrest him. So this is see something, say something. This is the state stepping in at a completely inappropriate moment to force their hand into your life. And we're supposed to pretend like this is in everyone's best interest while you're not investigating the real crimes of today, while you're ignoring all the rape kits and all the problems and focusing on things like this. It's unbelievable to me, actually. I'm just making sure they told Jeremy's under arrest, explain the problem cause. Yeah, I mean, I don't I didn't see any of that happen. So as far as the wife is saying and everybody else. But, you know, the bottom line is not the visual story. It's the fact of what actually happened of what they wrote down. And we're supposed to think that this is appropriate. Unbelievable to me. Now, just to wrap up in in general today, I wanted to kind of just rattle this off. Like I said, I wasn't going to go in too deep today, but I wanted to show you guys that this is something that's being discussed. Joe Biden on Friday, this was, uh, I think this was, okay, his last Friday, signed an executive order, as always, right? Because we live in the rule of executive order now. That's just authoritarian, tyrannical government. That's all it is. Just under guise of some kind of necessity of the moment isn't this just always what they do now right i've told you that since obama we live in the time of executive order that's all it is the the that's it that is what a dictator looks like it's an individual signing a piece of paper and acting like that somehow changes the law for everybody even though it literally by law does not but he's doing that and signing in an entirely new group that will then absolutely be able to arrest you based on that flimsy piece of paper which is the office of environmental justice can you just imagine where that will go with all of the complete hyperbolic arguments being made here's the independent by owning a pet you're doing more damage to the environment than you might realize right because they i mean you read it for yourself it's pretty pathetic the kind of arguments they're making which seems like they want to isolate you as much as possible here's something i think you should listen to i just think this is concerning now i don't i i leave the opportunity for this to have been changed right for where maybe rfk changed his opinion on this and maybe he thinks different today or maybe, you know, X, Y, and Z. There's always the, we should always allow somebody the possibility to at least get, not that I'm going to trust what they say next, but, you know, to hear what they might say. Here is RFK Jr. saying that climate uh, deniers should be put in jail. I just find this very concerning with where we are today. Now, I, I believe that what he's doing on the health front is very important. Even if you think it's a means to an end, which is certainly possible. Like I said, we should question everybody. That's very important. But I don't know how to make sense of this with the context. Like how can you be fighting the direction of the Great Reset and all the stuff we're talking about, at, but at the same time, support what seems to be one of the most obvious focal points of that agenda? So you guys decide for yourself, and you tell me in the chat what you think about this and whether maybe that's something that's changed. 
They should be in jail. I think they should be enjoying three hots and a cot at the Hague with all the other war criminals who are there. What about politicians, uh, people who deny, who express skepticism? They're selling out the public trust. And, you know, I think those guys who are doing the, the Koch brothers' bidding and who are against all the evidence of the rational mind are saying that global warming doesn't exist, that they are contemptible human beings, and that, you know, I wish that there were a law you could punish them under. I don't think there's a, war, a law that you can punish those politicians under, but I, do I think the Koch brothers should be prosecuted for reckless endangerment? Absolutely. That's a criminal offense, and they ought to be serving time for it. Now, I would agree with the latter statement, except the fact that I, that's being applied to the idea of ignoring the climate crisis. Right. I mean, so I just I mean, so I have a big problem with anybody, regardless of political motivation, saying on the record that they think that the people should be put in jail for denying something else, because that's ultimately what he's talking about. That's wild. Now, maybe there's more to it. Maybe there's a, he's changed since then. But I think it's important to see that at the very least, see that that was something that was said before with where we're going. And, and look, I'll also add to the possibility, and the only reason I add so much to this is because I, 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 I think just like I said with Tulsi Gabbard, which I, I think I pretty clearly established that there's just a level of distrust from me personally that I don't think I can get past at this point because of actions that have been taken, nothing else, because of the siding with people like Clinton or anybody else after trying to expose who they are to run for president, right? The point is that you're still leaning into the two-party system. But with statements like that, it just made my point. What I was going to say is that reason, you know, I want to believe that he's doing the right thing. I wanted to believe Tulsi would. There's no problem with hoping somebody like Trump turns out to be what they all thought he was. That's we should all hope for that. But there's plenty of things that make me take pause. And then as it goes forward, I'm going to want to see that addressed because I think that's a statement that's really hard to wrap my mind around. Understanding that this is something that you could state in general and then change. I, you know, I'm always going to say is that maybe he believes that this is about, uh, you know, like political action. Right. And the idea that people that are fighting against it politically, I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't I, I can't make sense of it. So it makes me very concerned. I think it's important for people to see going forward. And then on the same note, here's Mr. Tucker Carlson eating bugs, eating his very first bug meal. I guess that is not supposed to be not the thing we're supposed to promote. So forget much. the morning time. The first the bug chef I've ever met. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Thank you. Yeah. Bug appetite. Well, it's not bad at all. It's actually pretty good. Um, can I, roughly, I'm not going to hold you to it, but how many crickets per burger would you say? Well, in this burger, we have a, it's, it's mostly the powder that I use. Mm -hmm. And each one has probably like about one tablespoon, which is uh, one to two tablespoons of cricket powder. And how many crickets does that represent? That I'd have to get back to you on. I, I don't know exactly how many. And I assume they're humanely killed. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to ask for details on that. Okay. Okay. Um, Chef Yoon, if anybody can sell this country on bugs, it's you. And we're grateful that you took the time to show us our future. Well, I think that needs to be addressed, right? I mean, I, I'm, I haven't been one to focus on the bug conversation. Not really. I'm very concerned about it. I've made points about it here and there. Just about the, my point's always about what gets forced, right? I have a problem with things being forced on people, but that's usually how this goes. It used to, it, first it gets floated, discussed, then it becomes an incentive. Do it and we'll give you X, Y, and Z. Then it becomes, if you don't, you go to the back of the line. And then of course, the last one is you don't, you're killing everybody else. That's how it went with the COVID discussion and everything else. So at the moment, 
even from a culinary perspective, I, I know this. I've, done, I've studied things around the world. There are places all around the world where this is, this is not a unique thing. Bugs are used in everyday processes. So it, I have a, you know, a different understanding of it, but I see the political agenda to it. I see how, you know, the overlap with the genetically modified, you know, and, and fake meats and fake milk and buying of the farmland and the controlling and burning down plants. These things matter. And that overlap with it becomes especially concerning, especially when they're telling you it's for climate change. And a lot of people actually believe that's what's happening and then believe they need to force you to do it to save the planet. And him doing that just seems to be quite a bit counter to what any of his audience would think. So it shows you that there is something coming down from the top. Ultimately, guys, I think that it's pretty clear where all this goes. Here's Biden. I'm not waiting to tackle the climate crisis. You know, the thing that half the intelligent people of the country completely dismiss or disagree with. But he's not going to wait, though, for the science to flesh out, or rather, <laughs> the science to be acknowledged that shows you that they're lying about it. The signs are unmistakable. The science is undeniable. Well, I agree with that, except he's lying about what he's seeing, and the cost of inaction keeps mounting. So, I mean, th this is propaganda. This is not an argument that's convincing anybody other than people that already agree with him. The point is to say, we're doing it anyway, because emotion and fear and danger, that's what propaganda looks like. It, even if he believes it, you understand. What? That can't be his real number. Did you see that? What, did he, he dox himself? <laughs> it's certainly his account. That's crazy. I highly doubt that that's anybody even of any importance, but regardless... The point is you're pushing this as the idea that the, the like it's the altruistic thing to do. And that's how this gets played. I understand that even if you agree, even if he's right, doing it this way is not honest. All, you're, you are just running roughshod over anybody else who disagrees because you've decided it's right. You know what's possible, even if you think you're right, that you're wrong, that you're misled, or that you're lying. All of that's possible. Well, the lying part kind of screws up the point. But the point is that you could be wrong, even if you think you're right. So to push over people that disagree shows you you don't really care. You've just been brainwashed in this idea that we're all going to die or you know it's wrong and you don't care. Either way, you're wrong and you're about to hurt a lot of people by pushing in an agenda that is all politics. And by no means does that mean the planet's not being hurt. I can make an easy example about the gloves and the masks that are killing the planet right now or any number of things, the pollution from the, from the governments or specifically the U.S. military. Yes, there's a huge problem. You talk about the Anthropocene and what that really means. But none of that, in my opinion, has to do with carbon and using carbon tax and the idea that that somehow is affecting the, change, the climate in a, a way that's going to destroy the planet. I think provably you can show that they're hyping up things that they must know aren't true. Here's a great article I'll leave you with, the climate skepticism on the rise throughout the world. Apparently, it's now at almost 49% of people that believe they're being lied to. I'll make sure I didn't read that wrong. A poll uh, it found that the belief in humans causing all or most of the climate change. Oh, okay. It's down to four. So 51%. The majority of this country believes that we're being lied to. That was at 60% believing it five years ago. That's from a poll, obviously. So you can take it for what you will. And then I, I, I pointed this out. I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to get into it. We'll hold East Palestine for later. Just, this just came out. And I wonder why. From Time Magazine. Pausing AI developments isn't enough. We need to shut it all down. That's pretty interesting. Now, there's some reasonable arguments and some interesting things and things I don't agree with in this. And you should read it for yourself. They talk, they, they, they you know, the, the uh, where was that? 
Well, I, I don't want to waste the time. I'm going to go through this again at some point. Oh, here, just the, as we're talking about right here, it says an open letter publishes all AI labs to immediately pause for at least six months of the months, the training of AI systems more powerful than chat GPT four. Yeah, let's just pause six months. Really? That's what they're saying is not enough. We need to shut it all down. What do you think the agenda is? What, what are they trying to hide? Or is this just people in the internals, the people in the circle mainstream now going, wait a minute. Because I do think a lot of mainstream people are just brainwashed. They think they know what they don't. So it doesn't make it hard to believe that people might shake free of that and be like, whoa, that's not okay. Like, Because nobody's benefiting from where this is going. right? So, But ultimately, I, my usual instinct is that this is about, about some kind of an agenda. I, I would argue they wouldn't be allowed to put this out at all if it was against something that big. So the point would be, what are they trying to accomplish? All that's my opinion. But I would agree with this. I think the way this goes, even with the best of intentions, is very dangerous, especially when you have the wrong people in charge, which is pretty much always the case. But I'll leave it there. Thank you for tuning in for the solo pirate stream. We will be doing another episode May 5th, Cinco de Mayo version. And uh, make sure you check out the show I did this morning on DNA contamination for the daily wrap up. And uh, thank you for tuning in, guys. I enjoyed just uh, continuing the information. I hope you will share the Sudan article. I really just do think that's wildly important about not just that location, but everything else going on and continue to push back on all of this stuff because I think we're being lied to in just every possible way. So thank you for being here and we will see you in the next episode.